This is the Epic Brum Podcast, and we're joined by a brilliant Brummie who's made a name for herself on Turkish television. Birmingham-born Samantha Johnson is a sports journalist and presenter for TRT World, an English-speaking channel based in Istanbul. She anchors the popular sports show Beyond the Game, covering everything from football to Formula One. So how did her journey from the second city to the Turkish capital come about? Let's find out. Sam, welcome to the Epic Brum podcast. How are you? I'm very good, uh, considering we're all in the middle of a pandemic. But thank you for asking. Good, good, absolutely. So how's life in Istanbul? I've been following you on social media and it seems like you absolutely love it out there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I only post the good things. I don't post everything. I don't post uh, the lows so much. Maybe I should. But yeah, it's, it's been an amazing experience. I still love it. I've been out here for five years now. It's actually five years this month. So I'm beginning to look back on the whole journey, so to speak, how I, I don't know, it's just, it still takes my breath away, you know, just being in this city, going along the Bosphorus, I do feel very blessed. And considering, like I said before, we're still in the middle of a a pandemic, we're kind of dealing with it the best way we can. So yeah, it's everything is is fine. I've had a good summer. I've had the opportunity to travel to uh, various places around Turkey. I think that's another um, another upside of being here is okay. We couldn't travel internationally, but you can still go to the best beaches in in the country. So I'm very blessed. I'm very good, and I'm still loving this journey. Well, you're probably a lot closer to a beach than we are here in Birmingham, anyway. So. <laughs> Just a bit, about an hour's fly to an hour and a half. But it's so cold at the moment. I think what I, what I find hilarious is that people still think that Turkey is hot 24-7 all year round. And I'm like, nope, it's raining, it's cold, it's, it's still beautiful, it's still a bit grey, but yeah, it does get cold. We do go through the, the seasons here. Yeah, well, I saw your picture at the football last night, actually, and you'd sort of got your winter gear on, so I think that kind of says it all. <laughs> yeah, I had a coat on. I've only started to wear a coat in the past, what, three to four weeks? So, yeah, that's been a bit of a, an eye-opener <laughs> for me. Well, you're the first long-distance Brummie we've had on this podcast anyway, if we can call you that. Yeah, I'm proud. <laughs> <laughs> and... um I'm going to ask you shortly about how a Birmingham girl ends up becoming a bit of a TV star in <laughs> Turkey, which I'm sure you've been asked many times before. But before we do, let's talk about what it is you, you do out there for people who don't know. You're a sports presenter for TRT World, which is an English-speaking channel based in Istanbul. Yes, it is. Um, I work for the international arm of the state channel called TRT, but it's called TRT World. I, yes, I am a sports anchor and journalist. I've been in Turkey slash Istanbul for five years. And I would never have ever imagined that my broadcasting journey would take me here because I always thought that my career would take me to the States. I just saw a lot of, I just saw more hope there for me being 
in the States because you didn't get to see a lot of black female broadcasters in the UK. So I, I kind of had that feeling that my career wasn't going to be in the UK anyway. So I took the chance and sent out my CVs to various companies worldwide, whether it be in Canada, in the States, uh, Middle East, like Doha, and I ended up in Turkey. And that came about because of my, my former colleague, who I still work with, actually. I worked with him at Arise TV, Arise News, and his name's Lance Santos. And he was freelancing for TRT World um, all those years ago. And he said, Sam, look, they need um, presenters, the coros, I think she'd go for it. And I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, okay, let me, let me just hand in my CV, my showreel as well, see how I get on. And yep, I think after what, two months after I sent in my CV, I had a, an interview, a Skype interview, and then they offered me the job. And now <laughs> here I am. Bags packed, off you go. Yeah, it was literally that. It was, I don't, I look back now and I think, what were you thinking? Like, weren't you scared? Weren't you worried? And I think I was a little bit naive because I didn't know too much about the country. The only thing I knew about Turkey or Istanbul is that Liverpool won the Champions League here. And I knew about the the intercontinental derby between um, Galatasaray and Fenerbahce and that was it I didn't know anything about the culture or the politics or anything but I just saw it as an opportunity and a challenge and I didn't have any huge responsibilities like a mortgage or anything like that I just thought right well, this is your chance to do something so go girl do it <laughs> <laughs> I bet it was one of those things where you thought well I'll, I'll go and do it for 12 months and see how I'll get on and then five years later <laughs> you, you're still there you know, it's exactly that. I just thought, oh, it looked great on the CV. You know, I've, I've you know, I, I've been a broadcaster abroad. I've lived here. I can speak this language. It's, and then twelve months turns into two years, and then it turns into five, and you just ask where the time's gone. It's it's been surreal, but the best journey I've ever taken in my life. And I keep on saying journey because. Because it is. I don't want to sound like an X Factor contestant or anything, but it it really is that. It's it's ongoing. It's constant. It's hard. Actually, no, not hard. I want to say it's challenging, but it's challenged me for the better. Great. And your show is called Beyond the Game. Is is it what was traditionally called like a magazine type show, if you like the the, yeah. the story behind the story, yeah. so to speak. It's exactly that, and. I love it. I love what we do. I love the freedom of stories that we get to do. I still haven't seen a show like that anywhere else, whether it be in the UK. I'm just, I've been on it for five years and every day I'm very grateful that I have a job like this and I have an opportunity like this. I can easily go to my bosses with a pitch, an idea for a story and they trust me enough to say, okay, Sam, yeah, you can do it. I mean, obviously we're, you know, we're in a pandemic. It's a lot harder to travel now. But that freedom, that sense of freedom and that trust that the bosses give you or my bosses give me, it's invaluable. And I don't know if I would have had that if I stayed in the UK. So, yeah, we get to do great interviews, long features, uh, debates, uh, all of that in 26 minutes and plus we have the bulletins as well but yeah that's my sweet spot that that show that's my baby yeah and it 
it does go out live, doesn't it? It used to. Yeah, it, we used to do it. Uh, it was five days a week, uh, live, twenty-six minute show, half an, half an hour show. But now it's pre-recorded, and luckily the the things that we talk about and the stories that we that we have on our show, it doesn't date. So it goes from Monday to Wednesday, which is yeah. It's cool. I, I enjoy it. I still enjoy it. And that's a big factor. You have to enjoy. You have to love what you're doing. You really do. Absolutely. And there's inevitably a, a lot of focus on football, particularly Turkish football, but you get to delve into a lot of other sports as well, don't you? Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, I mean, OK, we do focus a lot on football and issues. But for example, a few weeks ago, we had a Black Lives Matter special and an update on you know where we are in Black Lives Matter in sports, uh, that kind of thing. And again, like I said before, just the freedom to actually dedicate a whole show on that, not do little tidbits of, oh, let's talk about this for three minutes and five minutes, and then we just go on to something else. We get to talk about sports issues that have a political twist, and you know that you do have that famous saying, sports and politics should never mix, but it does. It almost does every time. Going back to Turkish football, it does seem like looking at it from afar that there's never a dull moment, whether it be on the pitch or in the boardroom or in the stands either. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's very colourful. That's uh, if, that, if you can put it that way. But it's very addictive, and I've fallen into this rabbit hole where I'm just completely fascinated by it all. And the main reason why it's so beautiful to me is because of the fans and it kills me not to see fans in the stadiums in Turkey because that's what Turkish football is all about and it's beautiful have you ever been to a game in uh, in Turkey no unfortunately i haven't i would love to but it's uh... an experience you have to do it you really have to do it and i i'm very privileged to have the access to go to a lot of games i get invited to a few games i was invited last night to um to bush to bush oh, see there you go i i over my, my own words uh to bashokshire here so it, it's it's a pleasure and an honor for me to be invited to games like that whether it's at fenerbahce or bashikdash galatasaray or um traps on spore it's yeah i'm very lucky very very lucky but you're right there never is a dull moment yeah, just to clarify, we did just spend a couple of minutes before we <laughs> press record trying to get the pronunciation Istanbul Bashak Shahir. Is that is that right? There you go. You said it in one, you said it in one go, and then there's me telling you how to do it, and then I trip over my words. It's a common thing. Yeah, <laughs> but you, you've had a bit of a front row seat for them, really, making a bit of Turkish football history. They've emerged over the past couple of years to knock the traditional powerhouses off their perch. Yeah, that was so surreal. I mean, they've had great experience, um, I suppose, being... They have played in Europe, but not uh, in the Champions League, obviously. But last night was so surreal. And I'm so proud of them because they played so well. Obviously, United didn't turn up. Whatever's going on with them, I don't. that's not my problem. That's, that's something for, for Ollie to deal with, not my problem. But, yeah, they... Uh, I'm so, so proud of them. And they played so well against PSG last week as well. They were unlucky to not get anything from that game. But last night, that was just the smiles on everybody's faces. And the thing is, there's not a, a huge fan base with Bashoksha here. It's relatively new. But I think just being Turkish and knowing that a Turkish team 
has, but a team like Manchester United on their backside, it's it's a sense of pride for sure. Yeah, as, as you've just alluded to, actually, at the time of recording, it was actually the day after they've beaten Manchester United in the Champions League. And uh, I wondered, as an English journalist working over there, when when an English team comes to, to town, it's an exciting job anyway, but there must be part of you watching the draw thinking, yeah, it'd be really yeah. good if they get an English team. Yep, 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 yep. I'm still waiting for the moment Liverpool come to Istanbul. I, in fact, I want them to get to the final. <laughs> uh, just, just so that they can come to uh, Istanbul, that's it. It's... My journalistic head is, God, that'd be a great story. Imagine if they won in Istanbul again. It's, that, that's the way I think, but I do get very excited when I know um, an English team comes to Turkey or comes to Istanbul. But yeah, we are watching, we're like, gosh, I hope they come over. And then I think, okay, which of my journal mates are going to be in town or in the city? It's, it's, it's an exciting time. I do look forward to that. Well, they may get there, Liverpool, but I'm not so sure it'll live up to the, the drama of 2005. But I don't think so, but yeah. No, here's hoping. I mean, I, I'd be very happy if any English team got to the final because of that as well. Because I call Istanbul my home city now. It's like, this is my home. And I do feel super, super comfortable here. And I like it when I see my friends here and I can take them out and I can take them to various places around the city, places that they wouldn't know of because they probably just go to the tourist um, areas. So, yeah, it's a sense of pride for me, for sure. And another thing, which is hilarious, I do get a lot of calls from other people asking me what's going on um, in Turkish football or do I have this contact for someone, yada, yada. Sometimes it's... it's a, a bit much because I have a full-time job so I've got to concentrate elsewhere but it, that's been happening more and more the longer I stay here the more and more calls I get great well you've given me a nice segue actually when you call Istanbul your home city because we've talked a bit about where you are and what you're doing right now so how about where it all started am I, am I right in thinking you grew up in Aston so I like to say because it happened this way. I have two postcodes. So yes, one of them is B6, 6DG. And the other one is B74, 2TT. And B74 is Four Oaks, some Coalfield, and B6 is Aston. So I, I grew up mainly with my, my grandparents because my mom, she worked, well, she's a nurse. And they used to look after me a lot more. So I would stay with my grandparents in Aston and then other times I would be a Sun Coldfield girl. So I had literally two extremes of um, living in Birmingham. Yeah, sure. And I gather you come from quite a sporty family, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, They, <laughs> my family's sporty. I'm not physically or I just wasn't that good. But my mom, she played volleyball for England. And my dad, he played... I think in the football league, did he? I know he de- he definitely played it in the Sunday leagues. So he's like super sporty, and so is my uncle. I played netball every weekend for you know a team outside of my outside of my school. But when I was in school, I played for the school team as well. So yeah, very sporty t- um, sporty family. So all of this came very naturally. And I guess did did that have an influence on you wanting to go into sports media as such? Or- Yeah, it did. I mean, what I love about sports media, and I kind of clocked it from a very early age, is how everything is produced. 
So watching the Olympics or Champions League, I used to love the music pieces that you would see before the actual action or the interviews. Like, you know, it sets up, it really just sets up the the event. And I just loved it. And I just always thought, God, I'd love to be a part of that. And the chance to travel, just to be a part of it all. I just, it was a dream. But I've always had a a fascination and a love for the media. And yeah, it's just, it's just always been in me. I, did I ever think I'd be where I am today? Maybe not in the country uh, that I thought, but I, I suppose deep down, I always knew I'd be successful on some level. So, yeah. Yeah, without getting too philosophical, I, I often tell people that I think working in the media is, is the best job in the world because whatever your passion is, whether it's sport, whether it's mm. food, whether it's music, you, you can indulge your passion, can't exactly. you? Exactly. It doesn't feel like work. And to this day, it doesn't feel like a real job. <laughs> like, gosh, we get to travel, we get to interview great athletes, we get to do great stories. Like, wow, this is our job. I'm very, I'm, every day I'm grateful for doing something that I love. Yeah. Were, were there any sports broadcasters or, or shows that you looked at and admired and thought, yeah, I want a piece of that? Um, well, obviously I think, look, you had Sky Sports News that looked like a, you know, that's always a very enticing outlet and I'm very lucky to have worked there as well and get my experience from there. But of course I match the day watching Champions League action. What else did I watch? No, I used to listen to uh, 606. I listened to a lot of radio shows as well. So I love the debate shows or the call-ins, the phone-ins. I thought that was uh, quite entertaining because I like debates as well and hearing um, other people's opinions. I actually like to be the moderator. Um, yeah, so that's that's the kind of stuff that I, I like to watch. But did I ever think I could do it? It's kind of hard when you don't see someone like yourself on screen to look up to. It was a bit difficult to envision. But I'm glad I took the steps to get to where I wanted to be. Sure. And am I right in thinking you worked in music for a bit before you got your <laughs> break in, in sport? Oh, yeah, I dabbled. <laughs> I dabbled like so um, I, it started when I was 16. And do you remember the clothes show? Yeah. They used to have it. At the, I think, do they still have it at the NEC? I think it finished a couple of years ago, actually. But it, it did run for quite a number of years, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so when I went to the clothes show years, years, years ago, obviously I was 16, there was someone from a music company. It was BMG at the time. And they needed people for their street team. Now, what a street team member does is hand out flyers, hand out CDs, um, do a lot of promotional events where you are like putting up posters. It is You don't get paid for it, but you do make your contact. So that's how it all started. So it started when I was in Birmingham when I was 16, it wasn't until I actually moved to London when I was 18 that it became a regular thing. So again, I was working with BMG, sorry, Sony BMG, because they had merged. And I was writing articles for BMG, uh, reviews, going to, to gigs. So yeah, all of that came in great stead because I made a lot of contacts. And I got my contact from a magazine, Touch Magazine, at one of the music events and I started to work at that magazine and music and sport will always, they will always make a crossover. 
it's it's a great thing. I loved it. I loved it. But when I was working at the magazine, I would get a chance to interview certain footballers, deal with uh, sports brands like Adidas, Nike. It was just it was a <laughs> it was a sweet period. Again, I didn't really get paid for the magazine gig either. I was at university. I worked part time in Burberry as a sales assistant, and I was still doing the magazine stuff and the music um, street team stuff. So I juggled a lot, but it was great. It's so much fun. Absolutely. But I guess you had one eye on, on sports still. Oh, yeah, definitely. So you, you just yeah. had to, I guess you just had to keep banging the door down until you yep. got an opportunity. Yeah, it was that. It was it was literally handing out CVs and calling so many people and just saying, have you read my CV? Have you? And they'll say, yep, Sam, we'll get back to you. I, you know, we'll let you in at some point. And <laughs> And I was so persistent. I would call every week. I would get on their nerves. And that's what happened with Sky Sports. So I would constantly call. And I think I broke them down in the end. And it's like, you know what, just come in. Just come in. So I had two weeks' work experience with with Sky Sports News. And at the end of those two weeks, they offered me a job. And it's, it's a moment that really changed my life in a positive way. And that's not to say that everything that happened at Sky was rosy. It was a huge learning curve, but the best learning curve because it's put me in, in good stead for whatever came my way in the future. Persistence really does pay off then, I guess. Oh, it does. Sometimes you have to be a pain in the backside. You really do, but in a good way. <laughs> so you went to Sky then and it was kind of a, a research job to start with behind the camera but you had obviously had one eye on getting in front of the camera and presenting and interviewing, etc. Yeah, I, I started off as a researcher and then I worked my way up to be a production junior, sub-editor. So I was cutting and editing and writing scripts, everything. And I, from that, I had a few chances to be their online presenter, which was, again, a great experience. Ultimately, I had to leave Sky to find more opportunities and get more experience. But yeah, I don't, I don't regret a thing, you know, that's happened at, at Sky Sports. It was, it was a, an, a very interesting place to work at that time. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, some interesting memories looking back, great experiences, some great people that I've met that are still my friends to this day. So yeah, that's yeah. That's how that's how it all started out, and I had an opportunity to go live on air. That happened three times, and that was a, again a cool experience. That made me feel like, okay, is this what you want to do? That was a make or break time for me. And then from that moment, it was, yep, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to move forward. So yeah. And then you've you've had some really good roles since then, haven't you? You've done Be in Sport, The Sun. And uh, a bit of Chelsea TV as well. Is that is that right? Yeah. So uh, I I think as, it was after Sky. I worked for Coral. You know the bookmakers. They had just launched their TV station. So I had a regular gig with them every Saturday. It was it was so much fun because I used to go to the races as well. And while I was working for Coral, I also worked for Al Jazeera Sport, which is now being Sport. And again, that was great because I would go to Doha. I was there for, what, two weeks at one stage? I was covering 
for the Olympics. And again, it, it was just every, every time I look back, I'm just very grateful for all the opportunities that I fought for and were given. It wasn't easy. I had to deal with quite a bit um, emotionally, especially being one of <laughs> only a few black females on the circuit. It's a, it's a tough industry, especially when you don't have a lot of, um, I suppose, support. Although I, I got support later on through BCOMS, which had been an absolutely amazing um, organization for me. So, yeah, I've managed to get a lot of experience with different broadcasters. And I suppose along the way, you figure out what kind of broadcaster you want to be and what you want to do. Do you want to do more live, uh, live games? Do you want to be pitch side? Do you want to be an interviewer? Do you want to be an anchor? Would you be a correspondent? It's, I think that time for me was a, it was a really, really good time to figure out what kind of person and uh, broadcaster I wanted to be for sure. Little did you know that Istanbul was going to come calling, which uh, <laughs> to some people would say was a bit of an unusual career path, but here you are, and that must have been daunting. I mean, we talked about how it came about earlier on, but it, it must have been daunting with the difference in language and difference in culture and everything else. Again, it wasn't daunting. I look back and I I can be very tunnel vision sometimes. Sometimes I... If I have a task, best believe I'm just focusing on that task. So the task for me was to move to Turkey, move to Istanbul and do this job. This is a great opportunity and you do that. So I did that. And it's not until you actually stay for a bit longer and you stay for a few months and then you start to realize where you are and then you try to integrate with the culture and it's beautiful. I love it. It's, I still love it. I mean, I mean, I'm in love with it um, to this day. But the year that I moved there, so it's 2015 and 2016, that was a very turbulent year. It was a very, very turbulent year because there were so many terror attacks. It was, it was so common. It, it happened. It felt like every month, every month was some, something was going on. And it does make you think, okay, where the hell am I? What the hell is going on? And then we had the uh, the failed coup in 2016. And then that was a moment of, hold on, Sam, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Are you going to stay here? Are you going to leave? What do you want to do? do you, it was a moment for me to think. It, 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 was, it was so, so surreal. Because I'm, think, I'm looking back now and so many things were going on personally as well. I, I, I just exited a, a long distance relationship. So that was my emotions were going everywhere. So you have a breakup, you have a failed coup, uh, there's terror attacks and you're like, okay, Sam, okay, what, what's, what's going on girl? What are you going to do? So uh, it was at that moment uh, in July, I would say, I had to... I had to have a word with myself and say, Sam, what do you want? Because you can't have one foot in and one foot out. Are you going to stay here and make it work? Or are you going to look for other opportunities elsewhere and hand again your CV and your showreel elsewhere? And I made the decision to go all in, 100%. I just thought, Sam, if you are going to make this work, you have to go all in. And as soon as I did that, everything just became so much easier. And I just integrated myself with the culture more. 
I had more Turkish friends. I was going out more. I was enjoying my life. I started to enjoy my life. So the reason why I was in, in Istanbul wasn't just because I'm a sports broadcaster. It's because I'm, <laughs> I'm enjoying my life here and I would travel more and more around the country and meet more people. And it was, it just became so much easier once I made my mind up and yeah, go hundred percent all in and just live my life here. So it seems like then that you've found a job that you love in a city that you really love and you've been doing it for five years now. So going back to the job, I I think there are a lot of people who I don't think they'd quite appreciate the work and the prep that goes into putting together a 30-minute show. So can you give us a quick rundown of your typical day when Beyond the Game goes out? Um, It's funny because the days vary and it depends on what you're doing. Just, just, just generally speaking, it goes out at what seven, seven o'clock, is it? Oh yeah, she goes out at. Um, oh, sorry, I'm thinking of Turkish time now. So it goes out nine thirty, um, Istanbul time, which is six thirty, UK time now. So, what time would you arrive at the studio then and start getting everything together for for that day's show? I would get everything ready, or I would go in for ten o'clock in the morning. And what I normally do is over the weekend, I'm actually going through my questions. So yes, I do enjoy my weekends and I go out and everything. But if I have a spare moment and I know what's going on in the show, then I get my questions together for the guests and I, and I do more preparation. So I get in 10 o'clock, uh, I finesse the questions, send the questions out to our guests. I have a look at the packages, uh, what's mentioned, uh, just rearrange some of the scripts. So if I, 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 if someone writes a particular script and it's not how I would say it, I would change it. And that's every presenter does that. So I get in, do that. I have to be on set for one thirty, So I'm actually in makeup for about 12 o'clock and it takes me about half an hour to get everything done because <laughs> I've kind of nailed it down, how to do my makeup and my hair and it's just a very, very quick process. So we start recording at one thirty, And this is, uh, when it was live, it was different. But now it's pre-recorded. We, um, this is the, the schedule now. So we record at one thirty, And all the editing process happens afterwards as well. And then it goes out at 9.30. And in the meantime, I'm still there from 10 o'clock till 8 in the evening because we're doing the bulletins as well. So after I've recorded the the show, which finishes around about two o'clock, I'm back at my desk. I'm again writing new lays. I'm still editing for the bulletin, and yeah, that's it. It's a full on day, and in between those, you know, times where there's a bit of downtime, I'm researching stories that I would love to do that I want to do. I'm still making contacts or. You know how difficult it is to actually just nail down an interview or just to nail down access. So I'm still doing that. It's it's nonstop. And I'm actually taking my work home with me, which isn't the healthiest thing to do, but I'm used to it. I'm, I really am. So even after eight o'clock, I'll get home and I'm still sending emails or I'm sending WhatsApp messages to so-and-so to see if we can still do an interview or yada, yada, yada. So yeah, it's, it's, it's nonstop. And like we said before, it doesn't feel like work because we love what we're doing, 
But at some point, I am going to have to take it easy. <laughs> I'm just going to have to slow down somehow. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's nice to, to give people that little insight into how it all comes together because I think they're seeing a 30-minute 30, 30 or a 26-minute show, which is, I mean, comparatively speaking, it's a small window in their day, but it takes such so much to, to pull it all together. Yeah, and we're trying to get the guests like a week in advance as well. So the prep, it's all about preparation. Absolutely. And I gather away from the, the busy day job, you do quite a bit of mentoring and campaigning and advocacy for, for equality, don't you? Yeah. Um, it's, I, I feel like I don't do as much as I did when I was in the UK. I don't do like formal mentoring, but I do have a few girls who call me or message me or DM me and just asking for advice, and I'm always there for them. I might not get back to them straight away, but maybe the day after. Uh, but no, I always try to get back to my girls. Um, even a few guys on on Twitter, they want to know about Turkish football or they want to know what it's like to work in Turkey. So I would do, I would do as much as I can, as I possibly can with the time that um, I have, to, just to give advice. I mean, sometimes it's not about just sitting there and lecturing them and what you have to do. And yes, you have to be persistent. It is listening to what they want to do and how they feel. They may not feel that confident and they're not too sure. And then that you just kind of give them a little bit of advice. You don't want to bully anybody into doing anything that they don't want to do, but you just have to give them the best advice that you can. Um, perfect example. It was in August. Yes, August. And I had, I had a young girl called Simone who's doing amazing things for BBC. She is, she is amazing. Like I've met so many young people who are multifaceted, talented, and just have amazing vision. She does it all. She edits, she films. She's just, she's so innovative. I, I love her to bits more so than I was at her age, but now she wants to work abroad. So I've been giving her advice on what it's like to work abroad and depending on which country uh, you work in. It's um, what to expect, what not to expect, what kind of mindset you should go into if you are, if you do want to go and work elsewhere in, an, in another country. So yeah, I try and do my bit. I would love to do more, but in order for me to do more, something has to give. So it would take me not uh, hustling so hard after work. Uh, I have to give up that kind of time to give to other students and the youngsters, which I'm willing to do at some point, for sure. That's really great to hear. Now, I was going to change tact a little bit and ask you a few questions about Birmingham. I mean, do you, do you get home much under normal circumstances when there isn't a pandemic? <laughs> when there isn't a pandemic? I used to uh, get back every three months. So that was, that, that was going on for about probably two years. The first two years, I was, co I was coming back regularly. And then the longer I stayed away, the less I would come back. And that wasn't intentional. It was just more me living my life and doing more and traveling more as well. But yeah, I do, it's, I do miss certain aspects of Birmingham. And it's funny, whenever I do go back, I, I feel like an 18-year-old again, like a 16 to 17-year-old again, because that was the, the time I left uh, Birmingham to go to London. So I revert back to a teenager. But yeah, it's, I'm very, I'm a very proud Brummie and the, 
just talking to you now, I do feel like my, my accent comes out a lot more. So when I speak to anybody else and I say that I'm from Birmingham, they say, oh, I can't really hear it. And I say, well, you know, give it a bit longer. Let me get drunk a little bit or let me get angry. And then it comes out. So, yeah, I, I'm still, I'm from me through and through. And I take that everywhere with me. Of course, never changes, never changes. So what, what do you miss most about it, apart from your family, obviously? What do I miss about Birmingham? Um, it's become more and more obvious. The longer I stay away, not just from Birmingham, but from the UK, but I miss being closer to my culture and having easier access to my culture. So my, my, my background is I'm British Jamaican. So I miss the food. I miss having access to my food, my, my friends, just speaking patterned, like just it's things like that. I, even this year, it's, I really did miss a lot of my core friends. You know, we had the Black Lives Matter movement you know, the protests, I felt so frustrated because I couldn't be a part of it because we didn't have any protests in Turkey. So that was um, very difficult. And it's, you know, I keep on talking about the food, but I do, I I miss it so much. I mean, my mum was supposed to come over to Istanbul for for Christmas and she would normally bring, you know, the hardo bread, the bun, the cheese, Akin salt fish and everything. She would bring it over. But now she can't, so I'm without it for a good few months. But I miss Lazelle's Road. I miss Russell's. I miss, I, I, I do miss my people. I do. It, it gets harder the longer I stay away. Yeah, it, it's funny you mentioned going back to your teenage self when you, you come home because Birmingham's changed so much over the past few years. So I guess when you when you do come back and you must go in and and go, well, well, that wasn't there last time, or that wasn't like that when I was here before. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's like normally I would know where to go out or I know the places to be or things like that. You know, growing up, but now I call my friends and I said, okay, well, what are we doing? Where are we going? What's the place to go? Like. In my teens, I, I had a great teenage, you know, I had a great teen years. I used to work um, at, do you remember Ipanema on Broad Street? I remember the name, yeah. Yeah, I used yeah. to work there and that was absolutely amazing. Loved it. I used to go out to Bar 260. I'm definitely showing my age, but Bar 260 on a Sunday night, that was a good R&B <laughs> and hip hop night. I, that's my era. That's how I remember Birmingham. And going out to meet you as well. That's, I remember just looking back at Birmingham through rose tinted glasses and I, oh my gosh, remember when we did that? And, you know, my brothers would be able to tell me where to go out now. They, they go out far more often than I do, obviously. So yeah, it is a bit like that. Like, I have no idea like where to go, or what to do. It's, yeah, it's changed so much. But it's a, it's a very you know cosmopolitan city. It's always been a very cosmopolitan city. But you know, even Grand Central uh, Station, Birmingham, just seeing that that's just so beautiful. But I still remember the old Birmingham uh, New Street Station. Do, do you know what I mean? I still see it in my head. I remember everything. I remember where the escalators were and 
how it used to lead to the Palisades. <laughs> I remember just, I remember so much, but seeing the, the new Grand uh, Station now, you just think, wow, it's something completely different. Yeah, and as a sports fan, we've got the Commonwealth Games coming as well, which is just going to be amazing, hopefully. Yeah, um, it'd be very interesting to see how everything goes during the pandemic. I hope, I think everyone hopes that this will be, say, over. Just, I think all of us just feel so tired of it all and it's so frustrating. But I do feel a sense of pride that something like this is coming to my home city. So hopefully... I get to come back for that with TRT World. I'm not sure. Um, we'll wait and see. But yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the first hand to go up for a, a job covering that one when it comes around. Well, yeah. And they'll think, oh, yeah, it's a lot cheaper for Sam to go back to Birmingham because she can just stay with her mom. You know, something along those lines. I don't know. Brilliant. So, so just to finish off then, uh, this is the Epic Brum podcast. So we always finish with asking the same question. What makes Birmingham epic? What makes Birmingham epic? Well, other than the accent, obviously. <laughs> um, I would just have to say it's us. It's, it's the people. We, I love how humble we are. I love our sense of humour. You know, just the, the ability to, to take the mick out of ourselves. It's just, it's effortless. But I also love our, our grit and our determination as individuals. If we want to achieve something, then we pretty much just get on with it. You know, there's no faffing about it. It's, okay, we're going to do this. Why? Right. Just, yeah, I, I love that. It's, I'm so proud to be a Brummie for those reasons. And it's, it's kind of grounding as well. It's every time I come back to Birmingham, there is a sense of I can just breathe again it's ah, and maybe that's because you know I'm, I'm with my mom and she gets to cook for me and look after me I get to be a kid again but there is that sense of just being in Birmingham you just get to be just get to relax a bit more but yeah I miss us I really do that's a great note to finish on so uh Sam thank you very much for your time I know how uh, busy how hectic everything has has been for you so Thank you very much for joining us. No, thank you for asking me. Thanks for tuning in to the Epic Brum podcast. If you like what you heard, you can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Epic Brum HQ. (laughs) 